Welcome back to another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. My name is James Malamus, and we've got a great episode for you. Today, we welcome back Dr. Eric Tomlinson and Dr. Lisa Hong, this time to discuss Archetypal Symbols and Fairy Tales, Chapter 12, The Timeless Realm. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's Individuation Podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away. I am Dr. Lahab Al Samurai, and this is the IFC's Individuation Podcast uh, with the, the usual crew, um, Dr. Eric Tomlinson and Dr. Lisa Hong. And we are going to take a trip today in faraway places. Um, the realm, um, the timeless realm. And the timeless realm is the realm of the unconscious, but it's also a magical realm because um, one of the points that we are going to go over today is that uh, Mary Louise von Franz makes it very clear that in the timeless realm, that consciousness is tied into time and space. Well, this is, it seems like it's a, not a big point, but it's actually um, quite a brilliant leap. So uh, we've been talking about in different ways that time, the way we understand time and the passage of time and the way we calculate time uh, doesn't exist in the unconscious. Now, von Franz gives us like a, um, a shining light on it. And she says that, hey, by the way, you're only conscious of time and space when you are conscious, which means that when it, whenever you are not conscious, you're asking about time and space. Where am I? What time is it? Where am I going? <laughs> what is it time to do? Is it time for dinner? Is it time for lunch? Is it time for me to sleep? You know, so from the time we were little kids, the more we we're conscious of time, the more we experience time as something moving fast or moving slow. But when we're not conscious of time, it doesn't really move. We have to ask where it moved, what happened to it? Did I miss that? How did I miss that? Well, it was right here. No, I missed that. I didn't see that. Nobody told me about that because we're not conscious and therefore we're not conscious of time and space. So in the timeless realm, it's timeless because we can have centuries where we live there and we could have seconds that we live there and we don't know. So as we get into the story, we will start talking about her. Um, she highlights several different fairy tales. And if we think about von Franz, um, she is quite brilliant in how she explains things, except in this book, uh, these collected fairy tales, she just plops them out. Some of them is like, okay. She's a really good teacher that way. She gives you the fairy tales like, okay, you put the pieces together. Um, 
So um, we're going to put the pieces together. That's our job. So, uh, Eric, um, you want to say hello to our audience? Greetings, fellow listeners and thinkers. Okay. Uh, Lisa, uh, any thoughts for today uh, to our audience, or do you just want to say something? Have a great day. I'm looking forward to our time here. Mm, okay. So Lisa already ended the day. She said, have a great day. <laughs> wow, this is the fastest, I go backwards fastest and forwards in time. <laughs> podcast we've ever done. And it's just the trick of consciousness of time. Remember, see, uh, Lisa's already playing with you. All right, so we're going to start out by having uh, Eric uh, read us the fairy tale, and then we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Okay, Eric, uh, you want to tell us about what fairy tale you're reading and the name of it? Sure will. And um, Lisa, since there is no time, even though you ended, we're still just beginning. <laughs> and great intro, Lahab. That was really it. It made me. Uh, it, it made me want to read. <laughs> I mean, that was a great intro. It, it, it kind of summarized the, the overall arching theme of this fairy tale in a really good way. This is the French fairy tale, Death's Wife. Once upon a time, there was a woman who never married. She never found just the right man. By now, she was over 40, and friends often said to her jokingly, Marguerite, will you, never, you will never marry. She would then often answer, yes, I will, when death comes to take me home. One night in August, when Marguerite was home alone and was preparing the meal for the threshers, an unknown stranger entered her house and asked, do you want to take me for your man? Who are you, she asked, most alarmed. Death, answered the stranger. Then I will take you for my husband, she said, and threw her stirring spoon away and told her friends. She prepared a banquet, as death had required, and they were married. Death told her that she should tell her younger brother, her godchild, who was still in the cradle, that he should visit her one day when he grew up. To get there, he should follow the setting sun. Marguerite did as she was advised, and they made off on their journey. At last, they arrived at her husband's home. It was the castle of the rising sun. Every day, her husband would leave in the morning and come back in the evening. Marguerite had everything she wanted, but she soon became bored in her loneliness every day. One day, someone will come to the castle. Marguerite was most surprised since no one ever visited the castle. It was her younger brother, her godchild. They greeted each other joyfully, and the young man asked where his stepbrother was. He would like to ask him for a favor. When Marguerite's husband came home that evening, he welcomed his new guest who immediately asked what he did all day leaving his sister at home alone. I travel the world, my dear brother. Jesus, brother, you must see some wondrous things. May I come along with you? Tomorrow you can join me. But no matter what you see in here, you may not ask me about anything. Speak no word or you have to immediately return. I promise I'll speak no word, stepbrother, said the young man. The first morning, there was so much wind that the young man's hat fell off, and he asked if he could pick it up. But since he had spoken, he had to return home. 
twice he fails to come along because he begins to speak against the prohibition of death as soon as the wind blows his hat off his head. The third time he remains silent and sees many things, many strange things, white doves burning two black ones, lean cows in rich country, fat cows in lean country, fighting ravens and a castle with an iron gate behind which there is scorching heat and through which the young man is not allowed to walk. Later, death told him that the two black doves he had seen were the man's parents who were allowed to go through the fire to cleanse them of sins so that they could go to paradise. The lean cows were dissatisfied kingdoms, the fat satisfied poor, and the fighting ravens were quarreling spouses. At this moment, they arrived back at the castle. The young man then announced that he would like to return home. But why, asked his stepbrother. To see my friends and relatives and live with them, answered the young man. But consider this, said his stepbrother. 500 years have passed since you left, and all your friends and relatives are long dead. And where your house once was is now an old oak tree that is rotting from age. End of fairy tale. And just a quick recap. Marguerite, the woman, never married. She didn't find the right man. She was only going to get married when death comes to take her home. Ooh. A stranger entered. Yes, I'll marry you. He announces himself as death. Yes, I'll marry you. He recommends that they have a big banquet. She throws a big banquet to celebrate. She then, on his advice, tells her younger brother to visit her one day by follow, following the setting sun. Marguerite and Death go to live in the home, their home, the castle of the rising sun. She gets bored after a while with him being gone every day, all day. The brother finally joins, uh, <clears throat> or the brother finally shows up to visit her. They were very happy to see one, one another, and the brother said he had a favor to ask. So death comes home. The brother asks him what he's been doing. He now wants to join him on his travels. Death said you can, but you can't speak. Three times his hat falls off. The first two times he speaks and has to return. He can't continue the, the journey because he didn't because he didn't obey not to speak. He went ahead and spoke. He the third time he didn't follow the rules. He didn't follow the rules. That's right. Of being in the timeless realm. There are That's rules right. in existence in the timeless realm that other that are not the same rules that we exist with in the time realm. So timeless and time realm. Right. And then finally, he doesn't speak continues the journey with death. He sees two white doves burning two black ones, lean cows in rich land, fat cows in lean land. There was a castle with extreme heat. The two black doves who were the man's parents were allowed to go through the fire to atone for their sins so that they could go to paradise. The brother wanted to then return home to his friend and families, 
but found out that 500 years had gone by and the only thing remaining there was an oak tree that was rotting. Okay. And just in my, in my main point to all of recapping this is that this is a journey and you ask about what kind of journey and that's what we're going to talk about during this podcast. Okay. What was the journeys? Okay. So, um, the timeless realm. So as we always start, um, the timeless realm is the realm of the unconscious. It's a realm beyond that which we exist in. It's the realm that's parallel to our realm. It's the realm of the unknown. So in this story, as we start out in the summary of this story, there is uh, a lonely young woman with um, hope of marrying um, death. And she ends up being married to death. We're being married to a spirit and the spirit of death. So the spirit of death is not contained in life. The spirit of death goes to collect. It goes around and this is death. Death is going around collecting different spirits. The brother wants to join this entity on a journey. It's not a him. He's an entity. He's death. He's a symbol. He's a symbol of that which we are no longer aware of. So at the beginning of the fairy tale, um, she is lonely and she is waiting for that which she does not know. That's the first part of the fairy tale. She is waiting for something that she does not know. And she dies. So this is her dream. She is dead in this fairy tale. Death takes her to its castle. And we know if death takes you to the castle, you cannot marry death. That means you are dead. To marry death means you are dead. You can't marry death. Marriage is a symbol of being alive, of having children, of procreating, of growing family. This maiden marries death. That means she's dead. She has died. And so this is her dream. And not, it's not death's dream. It's not brother's dream. This is her dream. So when we think about the different archetypal aspects of the dream, this is her dream. This is her psyche. She marries death, she dies. She goes to the big castle where she lives, where she's dead. Brother doesn't know he's dead. He knocks on castle door. He comes in and he says, oh, I'll accompany you. He said, well, there are rules. <clears throat> because he is not conscious that he's dead. Because he's in the unconscious. And on top of that, 
he is conflicted. He is not ready to die. And that's why every time they take a trip where he's trying to show him the path, he trips over and he sends him back. Right? But he tells him, says, the young man then announced that he would like to return home. At that point, he's, he's becoming conscious. He's feeling like an eerie feeling. Like, wait a second. I shouldn't be here. I want to go home. I've enjoyed this. Thank you very much. Drop me off. I don't want to be here. This is not a good game anymore. And then death tells him that 500 years have already passed. You've been dead. Guess what? He says, the relatives are all long dead. Where your house once was is now an old oak tree that's rotting from age. He is the oak tree. He is a symbol of life, rotting from age. He is very old, very dead. He is the rot. He is death, death. So this is the this is the the symbol of transformation. Death is the symbol of transformation, where you go from one realm to the other realm. And it's it's the story of Marguerite, and at the beginning, Marguerite had everything she wanted. It was the castle of the rising sun. When the sun rises, you cannot look at it directly. It will burn you. This is the castle of the rising sun. This is the castle where the sun rises. Well, you'd be incinerated. Right. So the castle of the rising sun, plus it's the castle, sun is symbol of consciousness. Marguerite had everything she wanted, but she soon became bored in her loneliness every day. It's a contradiction. I have everything that I want, but I'm bored. It's the contradiction of life. Remember, when we go out into the unconscious, when we go out in the timeless realm, when we go out in the non-material realm, when we go out in the spirit world, we have called it many different things. The dream world, the dreamscape, the heavens, the, what did you call it, Lisa? The, the, Gnashing rocks, what was it? Uh, there was um, <clears throat> the mountains, the forests. All of these are symbols of that which is unknown. Rules of the game. There is rules in the spirit world. There are rules that you have to walk by. There is no choice. You're in the spirit world. So in her dream, pieces of her 
become conscious of that she's dead. Brother is scared. But he is not full brother, he's stepbrother. He's a piece, he's an extension. This is where uh, Marguerite's husband came home that evening. He welcomed his new guest who immediately asked what he did all day, leaving his sister at home alone. What did you all do all day? I travel around the world, my dear brother. What world is he talking about? He's talking about the world of the dead. I travel around the world of the dead. That is where I live. The wife is at home because she, this is what she wanted. This was her fantasy. She wanted a life with death. That's what she has. She married death. Why would we want to marry death? To escape the death that we've been living. Yeah. So the different reality, she was miserable in life. Mm -hmm. As Eric points out, she was miserable in life. Um, so she, that's what she wanted to escape. She prepared um, at the beginning of this. This is uh, once upon a time, there was a woman who never married. So she was alone and isolated and rejected by society. This is a statement about her. She never found just the right man. She couldn't make up her mind. By now she was 40 and friends often said to her jokingly, Marguerite, you will never marry. Now she's like old, 40 was old at once upon a time. Um, With an infant brother. Correct. <laughs> and she would then often answer, yes, I will when death comes to take me home. When death comes to take me home. When death comes, takes me away. I will get married. Um, yes, I will when death comes to take me home. One day in August, when Marguerite was home alone and was preparing the meal for the thrashers, an unknown stranger entered her house and asked, do you want to take me for your man? That's death. Death introduces, says, I am here. You said you wanted to marry me. I'm here. I'm ready. Do you want to take me? Who are you? Right? Because she's waiting for death. So she asked a question, who are you? Right. In the rules of the timeless realm, there are rules. What are some of the rules? One of the rules we said early on was like, you can't take treasure out. You can't physically carry out the treasure. You could take an idea you could take a symbol, but you can't carry it out. You will get greedy. 
because there's so much treasure, you will start to want to chase all of it. And that's how you get stuck and you can't get out. So there are rules in the timeless realm, right? There are rules. There are things that you can do and there are things that you cannot do. Early on in one of our fairy tales, the rule was don't insult the sun because you insult the sun, you will perish. Don't insult the sun, don't laugh. There are rules. So every time we enter this realm, there are rules and the rules are given always before we enter, right? If I take you down there, this is what you have to do. This is what you cannot do. Otherwise it starts over again, right? So you can, you can enter the realm, you have to abide by the rules. Now, saying that, that means that the realm has to abide by its own rules. The realm can't change the rules either. Even though time and space are irrelevant, there are still rules, structures, which is always fascinating because this is archetypal. These are patterns. The archetype always has to function through the pattern. Mm -hmm. Death is an archetype. It has a pattern. Right? What are we thinking? Yes, there are there are rules there. They're more rituals. They are expected um, acts or call and responses to proceed or have granted access to a deeper con unconscious. Mm -hmm. The further the further you want to go in, the more you have to give homage. There are certain things you have to do. There are certain things you have to give up. To travel in that realm, you have to die. He told him, he said, you want to travel in that realm, you will die. What does he say? He says, don't speak. The first thing that happens in this realm is that the dead don't speak because they don't know where they are. They're disoriented, so they don't speak. Right? So he says, don't speak. And the first thing that happens is what? The symbol of the hat. What is the hat a symbol of? It covers the head. It, pro it protects the head from sun, mm. from rain. From sun. Right. And if it's cold, it helps keep the head warm. Yeah. So it's protection. Yes. Yes. So he feels the first time he goes in, he feels completely unprotected. <clears throat> freaks out. Right. He freaks out in the realm and suddenly he's back in the house. Now, mind you, this is the house of death. 
the house of death is under the name of the house of the rising sun. Now, I do know that uh, the house of the rising sun is also in Japanese mythology. The sun is one of their gods. But so this is the house of the rising sun. So he is dead. Oh, I love, I, I love that house of the rising sun. Yeah. Yeah. He's dead. He's dead. It's, it's obliterated. The sun has obliterated everything. This is the house. You're dead. You're so you are sitting in the house, but you get bored. Why? Because there's nothing. Death has a job. His job is to go collect souls. Um, <clears throat> there's a movie with Brad Pitt um, called uh, Joe Black. Meet Joe Black. Meet Joe Black. Yeah. Um, so it makes me think of that movie where um, Brad Pitt is this young man who moves into the city, sees this really nice girl at a um, diner. But what happens to him is as he's walking out, he's not paying attention to the road, he gets smacked by a car and dies. Um, but then he's, death takes over his body. And then death, uh, the, the other, <clears throat> this came from a different story called death takes a vacation. And basically death wants to live like everybody else. It's kind of lost its way. And it wants to like have a relationship. It wants to taste food. It wants to walk around, right? Yeah, the modern TV show Lucifer, that's, that's, you just described that story. Yeah, so um, that's the, the modern day, uh, that um, Lucifer is basically uh, the devil decides that, they, that he doesn't want to live in the underworld anymore. He doesn't <laughs> want to live in hell. And he decides he wants to live on earth. And the angels come, his brothers and sisters come to tell him to get the the fuck back to where he came from because there's a problem because demons are escaping into the earth, i.e. Trump. Um, so that's why we need to put Lucifer back into the earth. So he control the demons from coming out. So. Um, I have a question, Dr. Lahab. Yeah. I mean, I have my own thoughts about it, but what do you and Lisa think about the fact that death insisted and the woman happily obliged to throw a big banquet at their joining? Well, that's there's always a big banquet, right? There's always a, a celebration. There's always a celebration. What, what were your thoughts? Well, in the human world, it's the opposite. It, it's it's not a celebration. It's grieving, and it's it's uh, it's people grieving largely about their loss. Uh, 
more so than about the loss of the person. When you think about the person in many instances, it could be a very positive celebratory uh, transformation. Mm. And, and yet on, on, in, in, on, on the planet Earth, we tend to grieve it uh, to the point of sometimes to the point of being miserable for long periods of time. And people, I, I find it interesting because some of the first people, when I talk about this point, some of the first people to react against it are people who are of the Christian faith. And I think, wh why is that when the very scriptures that they use and read, which I used and read myself, says that blessed in the is blessed in the sight of God is it and I'm paraphrasing mm. at the deaths of his saints mm. so it's a celebratory response for mm. the spiritual world it's a celebratory response for quote unquote God and yet we have such a hard time getting over it ourselves and I'm not saying we should I'm just, mm. I'm just putting the juxtaposition there side by side so that we can think about both aspects of it. So in the ancient world, death was a celebration. In modern world where we have lost touch with this timeless realm, this magical realm, this, uh, this place, the spirit world, it's become fear of the spirit world. It's become fear of this other world because we have lost touch with the other world. In the past, in the, in the earlier fairy tales, uh, Eric, you saw how people celebrated different things. They didn't even know they were dead. They're just <laughs> moving. They're moving from realm to realm. They don't even yeah. know they're dead. Like, like this woman, she doesn't know she's dead. She's having a banquet. This is a celebration for her. Um, now, we think that there is only one life. It's in this material world. And therefore, we try to hang on with our nails as much as possible. We try to attract more stuff. We try to build larger houses. Even I, I, I used to be amazed in Chicago. There are mausoleums for people who are dead. Like Muslims, it's like you're dead, man. <laughs> it's like, it's like what? The neighbors, the neighbors know you, a name on a tomb. You're dead. And they Summer have air condition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Around the world, it's, it's like they have their own, like uh, they change flowers every day. They do all these things. It's like you're dead. You are no longer there in a material form you're still acting like you exist in this world in a material form. You don't exist in this world in a material form. And I think it's, it's really the fear. I think it's one of the things that we're addressing. Yes. What we're addressing is that these two worlds are joined. They're one. Um, as we will show in our conference, the Undis Mundus, the unified cosmos. The, this is one world. 
I know we think of it as two worlds, but it's one world because we exist in both worlds. So how can we exist in both worlds? That means there's two of us. There isn't. So this, that means that we have access to both doorways. I mean, this- Thank you. I knew, I knew that you would answer that question well. That was, that was very nice. Thank you. Was, uh, but I, I think that's a really good point to make, Eric. I think it's a really po important point to make, whether you're religious, Christian, Muslim, uh, Jewish. Uh, there is you, the reason you believe in religion is because you're saying you believe in the spirit world. So you can't be terrified of it when it comes. You're connected to it. You're always connected to it. I'd like to make a, an additional spin on the whole, why is there a banquet at Ooh, her being sure. married to death? Um, I think in, in note of describing how she has everything and yet she's still bored. I think a lot of it is she's holding on to our, um, our structured uh, realism that existence that she, where she was supposed to be uh, unhappy if she's a spinster and be um, a, a little bit of a social pariah perhaps because she's rejected. Uh, and then hang, hanging on to those desires and even in afterlife, there's an absurdity related to it as well in that she has everything and she still yet is bored. Um, and so those, those qualities and um, those um, um, priorities are, fal are false and they, they do not uh, garner one freedom. She's almost a prison in that world. Mm. Yes. So that's a really interesting point you make, Lisa. Yeah. She, might, she might even say that death, that uh, marriage is, is a symbol of death, that she doesn't believe in marriage because that would annihilate her. So she would rather marry the spirit, death. <laughs> I'd rather marry death than get married. Yeah. So that's another way of looking at it because um, fairy tales have multiple, multiple layers of interpretation. They exist on this plane, the interpretation. They exist on the upper plane, the middle plane, the outer planes they always exist in different ways so depending on where you are staring at it right she either she either knew exactly what she was doing which i believe that that's what the fairy tale says she knew exactly what she was doing that's exactly what she wanted And the, the stepbrother only comes after he's dead. Like she's lonely and she's living in this like castle by herself. Um, but then somebody comes out of nowhere. Right? But um, he doesn't, he, he has no idea that he's dead because he wants to follow death around. He's literally saying to death, hey, take me with you. And he's like, well, okay, here are the rules. The Anthony Hopkins uh, character in uh, Meet Joe Black 
so Anthony Hopkins and Brad Pitt have a conversation or Anthony Hopkins and death has a, have a conversation and the conversation goes, he said, um, so what are you planning to do? And he said, oh, you know. And then Anthony Hopkins goes, how much time do I have? And death goes, you know. And uh, will I have time to do anything? And death goes, you know. And then he says, he says, why are you worried about this? Death asked, why are you worried about this? He's like, I have an empire. I have to take care of it. He's like, but those things are all gone. They don't mean anything anymore. What are you holding on to? This is done. This is your time on this realm in this material realm is done. Right? It's done. There's a good scene where uh, there's a Jamaican uh, older woman in uh, the hospital and uh, the Brad Pitt character is like roaming the hospital because he's, he's enamored by this uh, young woman who saves lives. And uh, the woman freaks out. She's like, oh, his death is here. You know, it's, it's come to take my soul. And he, he, he does this um, uh, exchange with her where he uses a Jamaican accent, tells her that he's not there for her. And why is she bugging out, basically? It's a great scene. If you haven't seen the movie, it's very long, by the way. Um, it's like three hours long. But um, it's, it, it's a great fairy tale. Um, so we keep seeing that these old fairy tales wash into our new consciousness over and over again. It's the same story. We keep telling the same stories, different cultures, different places about death, about life, about celebration, about getting gold, about transition from one yes. place to the other, right? Our transitioning to another existence correct where part of us continues to live on on a quantum level if nothing more yes a very different part of us yes yeah a, a very different consciousness right that's why when his hat falls off his head he freaks out because where he is he doesn't require a hat <laughs> you know you don't, like where you are, you don't require a mausoleum. The, but you could have one. But you don't require a mausoleum. That's for the people who can't let go. Mm. Yes, the fear, the fear of losing the material world is ingrained because people have told you over and over again that a, either the spirit world is a very dangerous place and you're going to be tortured for eternity. Yeah. Or that the spirit world um, is not a sure thing. Or that the spiritual world has a positive place of glory 
but it's very unlikely that you're going to live a life good enough to make it. <laughs> <laughs> you're laughing because you know that is thinking. Okay. Um, I don't know why I was laughing. Now, it doesn't mean that there aren't a lot of spiritual people, and that includes Christians and all kinds of spiritual people throughout the world, that that don't have an understanding because they do have a general understanding that our life is transitioning somewhere else. And it's not something that we have to be deathly afraid of. Mm. I like the term deathly afraid of. That's a great term because basically- And I've met people in all religions, including Christianity, who understand that very well. If, interestingly enough, most of them have been exposed to existence outside of this country. Mm. Most of them have traveled. Most of them have visited places in Asia. Most of them have friends that are Asian or, you know, or Middle Eastern or African or whatever. Mm. And those people have a few, uh, uh, they have less layers of onion to peel off before they can grab a hold and say, you know what? There just may be something very interesting out there beyond this life. Mm. Yeah, well, one of the ways that Young under, uh, came to this conclusion was through travel. He came, he came to that conclusion. He came to the, the conclusion that, um, that there is this other realm and that came through his travels into Asia, into North America, into Africa, into the Middle East is because that's different. Um, he heard different stories and traditions. I think this is what's important about um, von Franz's archetypal symbols and fairy tales is because these are different traditions telling us about our existence in this other realm. It's not a French fairy tale or a Japanese fairy tale. It is our fairy tale. It is the world's fairy tale. It is our existence. This is our fairy tales. This comes from our psyche. These stories Indeed. come from our psyche. Now questions is, why do we have these stories coming out of our psyche if they're not connected to something? And Dr. Lahab, being half French, I am very proud of my people for finally coming up something of this depth. Yes, we have a few great philosophers from the last few centuries in, in France, but beyond that, eh, we're not really up there you know, in, in the depth psychology world. And so it was nice to see it was nice to see a French fairy tale that had this kind of uh, volume of depth to it. Very nice to see. Mm. I think that, uh, I think what happens is um, our depth and understanding of creation and connection in creation is disconnected. I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have as a people. 
Well, mm -hmm. and when you have a spirit of say la vie, mon ami, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> when you have that spirit as a culture, your depth psychology is not going to be at the top of the list. Mm. You know what I'm dying to understand? Because I don't think it was ever asked. That's my opinion. Some people mm. say it was. That's why he didn't bring it back up. But I don't think it was ever answered. And that was what his favor was. What was his favor of death? He had he, he came there to ask death a favor. Uh, he didn't want to die. But you forget. You're already dead. What happens when you first die? Uh, I'm not dead. Where am I? The first thing that you say when you wake up in this other world is, I'm not dead. <laughs> Where am I? You know, so his favor of death, always you ask the same question. <laughs> I Where love am I? Why, why am I here? I want to go back. <laughs> what, what happened? I love the TV series Medium. It's an older show, mm. uh, but I love that show it's because sure, yeah. it, it talks about this issue a lot in that TV series. Mm. The spirits that hang around, the spirits yeah. that want to leave, the spirits that say, well, you know, but they, they exist in the spirit world, yet they are um, still tied to the material world. They, they haven't let go of the material world. Um, they haven't resolved the material world. And usually it's because uh, of a traumatic event that pulled them into that world. They were not ready to go. Usually if you're ready to go, you've, what they say is that you've, uh, have your affairs in order, which means you have come to the conclusion that you're going. But if it's a trauma, like I, I think is uh, in medium. If it's a trauma, if you're hit by a car, if you, I don't know, drop from a plane, if somebody shoots you, if somebody like uh, strangles you, or if something traumatic happens to you and it causes your death, um, then you haven't had the transitional time and therefore you hang around you're not ready to go, but you're, you're also not conscious of why you're hanging around. It's interesting how, um, how we look at trauma because trauma does that to you, right? When the traumatic experience happens, it's like, yeah, uh, you're hanging around, but you don't know why. At the same time, you don't want to be hanging around because you're stuck, but you can't seem to get out of it. It's because of the trauma. And this is what happens when we're traumatized. We can't let go. And I think, um, the archetypal awakening because of the trauma, the complex is born. It's, it's an archetype, the complex, it's a defense mechanism. And as soon as it comes online, is activated, whatever you wanna call it, 
born, online, activated, comes to do, into existence, we have many different terms for it. Then what you're dealing with is um, an ancient defense that transcends time. And that's why you get lost. Because they're to defend you. Is there to protect you. And part of the protection is forgetting because of the dissociation caused by the trauma. But the complex itself, its main defense is that it cuts things up into pieces and stores them into different places, hides them. Oh, sure does. Hides them not just from you, hides them from psyche. Yes. Not just your conscious ego. Psyche is like, uh, there's something wrong, but I don't know where it is. Yeah. So can you imagine, so you're walking around in the world and you're like, there are these pieces of you, you don't know where they are. And <clears throat> you have a trigger, triggering event something happens that triggers it and it comes out and you're like, where the hell was that? Where was that hiding? How did that? And you freak out because suddenly it's just like screams into consciousness. And then you're being held hostage again. You're traumatized by the trauma. And then the complex works to cover it up again. Yeah, it's really good, Lahab, Dr. Lahab, and, and it makes me think of <clears throat> it, it. It makes me think of the difference between simply repressing something that hurts us and is painful versus literally dissociating from it. Mm. I mean, I can think of things that I have put in drawers in my cabinet, and it's set there for months and months and months before I would see it. And then I, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot that's there. Or somebody may even ask me if I know where it is, and I think a little bit, and then I remember. Mm. Compared to, I put it in a box, I put a lid on it, I put it up in the top of the closet, or, or no, better yet, I put it in the bottom of a storage closet, mm. and then I put other boxes on top of it, mm. and then there's blankets and bags with stuff stuck on, on top of it. Mm. And then eight, nine years goes by mm. and I clean out the closet and then, oh my gosh, no, I, I forgot that I forgot I even had this. Mm. You it's don't so even much. know why you put it away. No. Because it makes no sense anymore. It's lost. Uh, it's lost its uh, meaning. You don't, I mean, at the time there was a meaning behind why you like stuffed in boxes and put bags and like whatever, whatever is like, oh, here's hidden treasure. And then you're like, oh my God, what is this junk? Why did I hold on to it? Yes. And I've either wanted, done one of two things. I've either, either grown past it or it still got me by the throat. Mm. Mm -hmm. It can happen either way. That, that is true, uh, and therefore we always have to take a look at uh, those things that are holding us by throat. It's dangerous. Mm -hmm. You should never let them stay active. Mm -hmm. Lisa, did you want to say something? Yeah, and another um, 
moving away from symbology or symbols of tangible items and things more in regards to being disassociated and in relationships. Sometimes the people that um, as an adult, um, you are most drawn to, you have a, you might call it falling in love or being hit by impulse or just having a desire, you know, you can put all sorts of qualifications on it. But sometimes when you start digging, that intimacy of that initial pain and trauma from mom and dad are represented in the relationship that you're in, in a subtle way that is intimate and dear and only impersonal to you and your first interactions there in some levels, Ooh. reflective. <laughs> I, I think in, in some ways, Lisa, that that's kind of a segue in, into the, you know, I mean, I mean, I know we're not done, but I, I only had one really other point that I wanted to, to bring up. And that is the, the family dynamic that existed for this woman and this boy. Obviously there's been some kind of upheaval in this family. Uh, I, I mean, people don't just automatically become reclusive and not want to marry until they die. Um, you, you know, she's 40 years old. She has a brother who's an infant. Where did that, where did that son, where did that son come from? How old are her parents? Are her parents remarried? Is one dead, the other not remarried? Whatever. Something has gone on that has not treated these kids, especially her, very well. And then I look at the end and I'm going, all these things that are happening once the brother, I don't know how old the brother was when he went to see her, but whenever he, when he did go to see her and then the two dubs are burning the black ones. Mm. White dubs, mm. symbol of peace. Mm are killing the black doves Ooh. black doves and they also include ravens later on are symbolic of trickery cunningness uh sometimes evil but sometimes not Ooh. and then the white doves are burning them but that's not enough the white doves or the two black doves still when he's told by death that that's his parents they still have to go through a scorching fire to cleanse their sins before they can move on and transition into paradise. Mm. And at that point, the brother wants to go back home and be with his family and friends. Mm. I don't think that's all a coincidence. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and she, like many children do, that are teenagers and want and they'll do anything to get out of the house. Yes, I'll marry this abusive man. At least it gets me away from that place. And, and, and the guys will go, yeah, I'll, you know, I'll knock up a girl and marry her so I can get the heck out of here. Or both of them can say, I'll do drugs. I'll do whatever. I'll do illegal stuff. Just get me out of this house. Mm. Death is better than this. Mm. And so all of those things hit me when I thought about their family unit, if that makes sense. Thank you for allowing me to express it. So what you're saying is the other aspect of the way we could interpret this uh, fairy tale, um, Lisa started this path uh, by an interpretation 
you're basically saying, well, you know, the, um, that this could have been a very abusive family and uh, because of what they witnessed and what they went through, um, they'd rather marry death than get married. She'd rather marry death than get married because it sound, uh, from, from the description of these people is that um, they have to go through fire to wash away the sins. Well, if you have to go through fire, that means you created a lot of um, emotional negative energy. That means that that was the relationship. So what's, what, what's a really bad, terrible relationship? That's a relationship where there's a lot of negative emotional energy being thrown back and forth. And that contaminates and electrifies everybody who lives around it. And it starts to, um, it's the same way with, the, with, with pieces of the trauma. It starts to reverberate through everything that we do. It starts to reverberate through the people, um, our children, our children's children. It will reverberate. We know this. We know if a grandmother or a mother or a great-grandmother, um, if somebody was abusive in the family and it's passed down through the generations, it's not um, the literal passing down of um, the abuse. It's the negative emotional uh, archetypal energy that keeps flowing in this direction towards um, different family members. Well stated, thank you. And I think this is what you're, you're, you're talking about. You're talking about what was going on with this woman that she'd rather marry death. And why was there an infant child there? And why did these um, symbols have to go through fire to become um, purged. And part of the experience of the trauma is to go through fire, right? To get better, you have to go through fire. Otherwise, what happens is you don't go through fire, you just stay, you just stay burning, roasting. So if if you don't deal with the trauma, you are always kind of like bubbling up. Yes. If you work through it, that means you have to go through the fire. That means you have to walk and be able to go through this tra transformative process. And this is, um, if we think of this fairy tale as a transformative fairy tale, which it is, of people who have been um, saved, freed. Freed, I like that. Right? Um, I think we use different terms for it. Released. Ooh, I like that too. Um, so these are, these are the things that we think about when we think about uh, trauma. How are we saved from it? How are we released from it? How are we, um, how do we free ourselves from this pain? And um, why does it take, Dr. Lahab and Dr. Lisa, why does it take, at least in this case, why does it take death itself 
to have to help this brother be resolved about his parents. Death is what helped release him so that he wanted to go back and live again. Um, I, I mean, that's a point that's, that I'm not really kind of he, he, getting. He, he, uh, he, he finally feels at peace. I think you put it very, um, very straightforwardly. He finally feels at peace. And once he feels at peace, he wants to go back to um, this world. But it took At the beginning, he doesn't want any part of this world, by the way. At the no. beginning, he wants no part of this world. Yeah, so that means that the transformational aspect in death or in the timeless realm has taken its course. You have gotten what you needed from it. So now um, your ideas, your consciousness um, has changed. So this could represent, death could represent the unconscious in this, at this point in time. Oh, he, for sure it represents, yeah. yeah. He, he could have came to this resolution through his unconscious mind and he finally getting in touch with it mm. rather than having to die first. That may have been his, that may have been the favor he was asking. I don't know. That's why I think it's so intriguing as to what the favor was. Well, know, just... the favor is always, the favor is always, the favor is always, um, can I go back? The favor is always to continue Why? the material journey. Why? Can I go back? Is there a way to go back? And death said, well, can you? Look, yeah. everyone is dead and you're not supposed to be here. So really, what are you to do now? Ooh. Interesting. He is a truth maker and a great equalizer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. He brings you to equilibrium so you can continue on the truth path. Truth, which is you don't belong here anymore. You so maybe, maybe that's great, Lisa. Maybe the thing is, is that we don't need to always view the next life as something evil and devilish. There may be other aspects to it other than that. A release and freedom. And maybe that's why that lady is stuck there in a very unhappy but uh, fulfilled life of having everything. She's going to be stuck there for a while until she reaches her conclusion that she doesn't belong there. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there, the, the different aspects is he's a baby, right? Uh, it's a new consciousness. Mm. When we think of babies, we think of new consciousness, uh, a birth in the world, um, something new, something, uh, something that is growing, becoming, changing, um, an addition. And when we talk about new additions, we always have to make room for new additions. I think we talked about this in one of our earlier podcasts where um, we have to welcome this child into the world. We have to make room for the child in the world so that the child can grow, so the child can be. And it sounds like from, uh, from reading this fairy tale and what was going on was that there was no room for this child. There was no life, there was no space for this child to grow. So eventually the child dies after the sister who took care of him dies. He comes to her. Um, 
and death. He also dies because there was no space for her in this world either. Nobody made space for her. They, they wanted to fit her into the world as they saw the world, not as the way they see the individual, right? So we want to fit individuals into the world that we see instead of looking at the individual and saying, what do, where do they exist? Where, what do they want to do? How do they want to be part of this world? Um, and I think this is, uh, this is another aspect of not being able, uh, not understanding uh, the timeless realm, that we try to fit people into the world. We try to fit them as pieces or objects into an existence that they don't want. Children, for example, we try to send them to really tough schools and we try to turn them into something that they might not necessarily aspire to or not, that's not what they are. And it's uh, born out of love, it's born out of fear, it's born out of anger, it's born out of uh, greed, it's born out of competition, it's born out of uh, uh, persona. Like, I, you know, look at my kids. Your kids are dumb. Look at my kids. They're so smart. Um, it's born out of many things. Uh, but what it's not born out of is a connection to soul. And that's the part that we need to think about when we think of healing. It's the connection to this other person's soul. It's how are we connected to this person's soul and how can we liberate them so that their soul frees them up to do and be what they are. Um, in treatment, that's what we are looking for. We're looking for to help the person free their soul because it, it, it's a trap, right? Your soul is trapped. And death is trapped with a maiden. And life is trapped because she wasn't married to death. And she's, and she's being, uh, she's also, we could take a look at it. She's being facetious. She's telling people to go fuck off. She's telling them that uh, I'd rather wait and marry death than get married. Get the hell away from me. Um, and so when it happens um, and people are not listening, people are not caring enough to listen. They are still projecting onto this young woman, um, their values or what they think the world should be look like. And this is all like a construct. And the construct comes, by the way, from an archetypal image. It's not a projection out of nowhere. There is no projection out of nowhere. Everything is connected to an archetypal structure. And so it's when we're over-identified with the archetypal structures that they, they end up ruling us, just like the complex. It ends up ruling us because we don't understand it's an archetypal structure. Like, just like Dr. Lahab and Dr. Lisa, just like he found out at the end when he realized that he couldn't go back, it, it dawned on me uh, when I, after I read it the second time, 
and, and I wrote at, when I was all done with it, thinking about everything I wanted to think about it, then it got personal for me. Um, and, and I wrote this sentence down. It said, you can't go back to relive what you now understand that you didn't then, what you now understand. And at those at that time in the past, you now recognize that you were incomplete, you weren't whole, you were damaged, and you were allowing that to dominate your essence. Ooh. And you weren't moving on from it. I'm not that same person that I was 20 years ago, even 10 years ago. And yet I'm allowing the feeling of those mistakes and failures and incompleteness and unwholeness and damaged interactions to tell me that that's what I'm like now, even though my understanding is very different and I've grown from it. And I, and I've always wanted, and I'll just be honest. I've always wanted God. If, if how many people haven't done this, gosh, I just wish I could go back in time and relive that period of my life over with what I know now, I would have been something kind of special instead of what I was, which was anything but special. And, and, and that, I got that personally out of this fairy tale. Well, I think, Eric, I think you, you made a, several points, but I'm going to address one, which is you're not letting it. It's happening to you. You're not, you're not in charge of it being intrusive. Um, and I do, I do see um, the pain that you're talking about and where it comes from. And it's like, well, <clears throat> maybe if I did this right, or I moved in this direction, or I did this, which brings us back to last week's movie. The more <laughs> we try to fix things in the past, the more things in the future end up in a very different space. You would not be with us. We would not be connected to you in this way. We would not be part of this group. We would not be working with people with trauma. We would be doing something completely different. The reason you are here is because you are needed here. And that's the way I would like all of us to think about what the world requires of us. We are here in this way because the world needs us in this way. Whatever that means, whatever that means. In this case, for us as um, transformational coaches, um, we help people transform, change, uh, feel better, um, heal from pain, from suffering, from um, flashbacks, from uh, anxiety, from doubt, from self-hate, from criticism, from being critical. <clears throat> and without your experiences, um, Dr. Tomlinson, um, we wouldn't have you. Those experiences made you. And I'm sorry they were so painful, um, but they made you. Yes. And we wouldn't have you as you 
without those experiences. What do you think, Lisa? I think you're wonderful, Eric. <laughs> did I not? Did I not say that? Did I miss? I didn't bring that up to get this, but I appreciate it. Uh, yeah. Well, we didn't. We didn't think you brought it up to get this. You deserve this. This is what we feel about you. You do deserve it. Well, I, I, I just want to say at this point that <clears throat> I think the point that I was trying. I think if you throw the emotions out of it and just look at the intellectual point of what I was trying to say. That's called the, the complex. Yeah, without the, the complex emotion. says, throw out the emotion. Uh, yes. Let's just talk about well, like, then, practicality. Then, then, then let my complex speak for a minute then. Uh, because it says that what JAMP, for those of you who don't know what JAMP is, look at our website. Uh, IFC website, Institute for Conflict. Uh, look at our JAMP website. But what JAMP did for me in about a six-month period of time is, is it didn't throw me a lifeline to, to what you were talking about, to all those things. Didn't throw me a lifeline. A lot of a lot of things say that they will throw you a lifeline, and a lot of a lot of groups will throw you a lifeline, but that's not what I was looking for. I'd rather, I'd rather die and get it from death than just get a lifeline without what JAMP helped me to do, which is to gain a journey of understanding about it. Because without that, I would be no better off than when I went to counseling and when I went to therapy and when I went to analysis, uh, they were all lifelines and they helped and they were a part of that journey and they boosted me and kicked me up a little bit here and there, but I wanted understanding and that's what I got and I'm getting during this, the journey of this last year. And that's why I had a little bit of emotion about it because it's, it's a sense of freedom that I've always wanted and never felt before to the degree that I do. That's, if that's my complex speaking, then damn it, you're complex for once. You said something good. <laughs> well, the complex... Uh, the, the complex is always uh, defensive and it's always complimentary at the same time. Oh, I like that. Uh, this is this is what I want for you. I want you to feel better. Don't you want to feel better? Of course I want you to feel better. Why am I here? Why am I trying to... <laughs> if, if, if I wasn't here for you, would you feel better? It's because I am here for you. Hey, Dr. Lisa, <laughs> would you tell him to shut up, please? <laughs> He's getting too close. He's getting too close. With that, uh, we're signing off for this week. Uh, thank you. Uh, we would like to thank our listeners and our audience uh, for being with us um, and uh, sending us your comments and um, um, listening to us every week. So uh, with that, I am Dr. Lahab El Samurai. This is the IFC's Individuation Podcast. 
Um, and I bid all of you farewell. Eric, would you like to bid the audience farewell? Eric is, for those who are listening uh, to the podcast, he's waving. Um, Lisa, would you like to? Thank you for sharing, Eric. And I love talking about Jamp. And, you know, we're talking about fairy tales, but all of this is just understanding self. So we understand our layers and move forward towards serenity and peace. So next week, we return with uh, the realm of um, the spirit world. So the realm of the dead and the spirit world. So this week we covered the timeless realm and next week we're covering the realm of the dead and the spirit world. I look forward um, to um, seeing everybody and talking to everybody next week. All right, have a good week and... Thank you for tuning into this episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Eric, Lisa, and Dr. Al Samurai. We'd also like to thank Eric and Lisa for taking the time to join us. We hope you enjoyed this chapter from Archetypal Symbols and Fairy Tales. Tune in again next time to the IFC's Individuation Podcast for another episode soon. at the Institute of Conflict greatly appreciate all of you listeners. Please share the podcast with your friends and spread the word. If you would like to help expand our community, like us on Facebook and Instagram and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Sonia Mahmood and you've just listened to the Institute of Conflict Individuation Podcast. We'll be back soon.